Hello, assalamualaikum everybody. Hope you're all safe, sound and healthy. And I'm back because of this, you know, um, news about the protest uh, by Balochi women, especially, which is uh, considered to be newsworthy. Because remember, before Imran Khan, women uh, were not um, very interested in or very vocal or very... Um, reformatory, you can say, in their movements, in their political movements um, nationwide. And that is because uh, I think the last time women were extremely interested in politics and were extremely interested in leading movements um, was um, during Qaeda's time, Fatma Jana's time. And, you know, um, after the, the, the death of Fatma Jana and then after the death of Bhutto. And basically, you can say it, it was towards the 80s. The 80s is where Pakistan began its regression under Ziaul Haq. Civilizational regression, you can say, where people started, you know, uh, becoming more dormant. Um, um, now, again, Imran Khan sort of, you know, uh, reopened that, that dormancy. He sort of, you know, woke people up. And so, as we know, Pakistanis became a little more aggressive, a little more vocal, a little more independent, a little more um, open in uh, giving their views on current affairs, on politics, on Pakistan, on what's going on, stuff like that. And that is because, you know, they felt that, yeah, okay, their voices can be heard now because Imran Khan wanted that the whole country should once again participate in whatever it is to do with the country and not just a few chosen people. So, you know, he, him sort of waking people up was something that, obviously, my generation was already pretty peed off. We were already getting very antsy, and he gave us um, that, you know, together with him, you can say we got that outlet to move on. And then, obviously, the younger generation, as we know, the youth of Pakistan, they are even more vocal about their thoughts, their opinions and all, and they also need to have an outlet Keeping all of that in mind, um, yeah, the women coming out like that uh, very actively, it has happened. It's not that it's never happened before. It has happened um, every now and then. But on a national scale, uh, for it to happen on such a large national scale and for the northern women, the women of the northern parts of Pakistan to come out, because usually the women over there prefer not to come out. Um, and it's, it's sort of their culture. It's become their culture where... They kind of just don't come out, you know, for protests and for stuff like that. But they have always come out um, whenever Imran Khan led processions or protests or, you know, rallies. So keeping that uh, precedent in mind, um, you know, the Balochi women, as we know, they sort of they came out um, recently when there was this convention and they came out to protest. Now, um, their protests have grown. Now what their protest is, is mainly about the, the, the women of Balochistan are leading this huge scale protest against the illegal government, against the establishment, against the army. And this is on forced disappearances. As we know right now, um, uh, forced disappearances are occurring all over the country, especially uh, against any person who is a very vocal against the government, against the goings on in Pakistan against the, you know, the illegality uh, of whatever it is that the state managers are doing 
and those who are vocal in their support for Imran Khan and, you know, who are speaking out and speaking up. So, yeah, there's a lot of forced disappearances going on. But the Balochi forced disappearance has been a long-term issue. It has been a long-term issue. And, yes, it is true that most of the country has been quiet over this issue. Why? Uh, because, first of all, the country does not have any real knowledge or awareness as to why these forced disappearances have been taking place, especially since the establishment has always uh, sort of denied these allegations. The army, the ISI, has always denied these allegations. Because of that, you know, the country has always been confused as to what was going on. But I think now the country has reached its boiling point, as we know. And the fact that the Balochi women are leading this protest and they have now pushed towards Islamabad, they have moved from within Balochistan and they've gone all the way to the capital of Pakistan, to Islamabad, to stage their protest. This um, is something that has been, you know, welcomed by the rest of the public of Pakistan. With It was a pleasant surprise, you can say. And because of that, and because of that, as I was saying, um, the the establishment is not too pleased okay just to say it very simply um and so they what did they, how did they greet those women they greeted them by um throwing cold water on them by hosing them down with cold showers in this winter in this dead winter this is how the islamabad police has clashed with them now remember the islamabad police has always been a neutral police before it has always been with the people during their protests, especially when Imran Khan led the protests, the government tried to use the Islamabad police against the public of Pakistan. The Islamabad police refused. But as a result, what happened is that their chief was not just removed from his post, he was killed. So now, because of that, uh, the Islamabad police is now under the grip of the illegal government. It's under the grip of the army. Remember, we are right now under a dictatorship. This should never be forgotten. But the problem now is Pakistan has gone through quite a few dictatorships. But the problem here is that none of those dictatorships were actually as low down, as pathetic, as desperate, as uncivilized, as barbaric as this one. Why? Because this particular form of dictatorship is 100% illegal, 100% uncalled for. This has gone against the people in every way possible. You see, although all the other dictatorships went against the people, yes, but they had at least the, the courtesy to, you know, try to reach out to the people and to show to the people that they are with them and not their enemy. Whereas this form of dictatorship is literally abusing its authority very blatantly it is telling the people that the people have no say that they don't give a shit about the people that they don't give a damn about what people think that the people to them are just ants and slaves because at the end of the day they listen to only one master and that is the u.s of america okay you know that your country is 100 percent westernized by the way you start treating your people now, it is only in America that you would find the police showing aggression towards um, a marginalized community or towards females or towards, um, you know, 
anybody really who is staging a protest. This kind of barbarism can only be found in the United States of America and it can be found in Israel, right? So as I've said before, and I'm saying it again, you can actually see the hidden hand of American establishment here. You can see who the mastermind is behind this whole facade. You can see that there is somebody else controlling our country and our army and our... Why? Because people keep on and on saying, oh, this is not our culture. This is not our culture. We've never touched women. We've never touched the elderly. This goes against our religion. This goes against our culture. But it's happening and it's happening blatantly. Again, why? Because listen, you are no longer the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. To be very honest, you never were. But now you are totally not the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. You are completely enslaved. You are completely colonized as far as your state managers are concerned, as far as your servants who have held you hostage are concerned. They have taken over your land and they have handed it to another country. Okay, that is exactly what is going on. Right now, you know that Pakistan is 100% westernized. By the way, your women are being treated, by the way, your children are being treated, by the way, your elderly are being treated. So yeah, um, you know, when you're talking about your culture and tradition, first of all, try to understand where exactly is your culture, where is your tradition, where do you stand as a country? If you really consider yourselves to be a country of a, you know, of a vast uh, historic culture and civilization and tradition, then you need to actually bring your country back to, you know, to being under your ownership, okay? That's the only way that you can actually talk about your country's culture and your country's civilization and your country's traditions and your country's history, okay? Well, right now, you need to understand that Pakistan is no longer your country. And you need to bring Pakistan back under your ownership. And there is again only one way. There is only one way to treat intruders and trespassers. This law is an Islamic law, which has again been borrowed by other countries, including America, especially America. And that is you can kill a trespasser. You can defend yourself. You can defend your land. So yeah, if Pakistan is indeed our land, it is indeed our home, it is our soil. If you really care about Pakistan, then the first step you would be taking is to get rid of all the trespassers. That is the only way. I keep on saying it. That's the only way. Because otherwise, if you're sitting down and saying that, oh, this is not our culture. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, you can't just sit and grumble about it not being your culture because this, let's face it, this is the new culture. This is their, your, you know, this is your new uh, culture. This is your new tradition. You are Americanized, okay? You are Americanized. Your people, your state managers, they are working directly under Zionists, okay? And this is the Zion culture. This is the same Zion culture that is being followed by India against Kashmir. And now this Zion culture is being followed by your traitors, your fifth columnists, in your own country. And what is the Zion culture? Disrespecting women, 
killing children, disrespecting and killing the elderly, treating everybody as non-human and considering yourself as equals to God. That is what a Zionist is. And you can see the exact pattern being played out in Pakistan. You're seeing the exact thing being played out in America. You're seeing it being played out in Palestine. You can see it being played out in occupied Kashmir. So there you have it. You want to get your country back on track. For, the, for that, you, the first thing you need to do is to take care of all the traitors. You need to get rid of them. You need to then sanction America and sanction all NATO allies. You need to sanction all countries that have been directly or indirectly involved in the blatant interference of the inside workings of your country. And then you need to take steps to reinforce the sovereignty of your country. And this has to be done by the public. This is the only way you can, you know, put all the institutions back in their place. Right now, all the institutions do not regard us as human beings. They do not regard us as their masters. They have these dogs, they have changed masters. Or let us just say that these dogs always had a different master. And they were just, you know, biding their time. And according to their masters, the time is now. That is why they are acting the way they are, because according to them, Pakistan has now completely already been sold out. So, again, what we need to do is to stand with these women, to stand by these women, instead of, you know, just looking at the whole drama unfold. Because that is another problem I have with our people, is that even when the police were snatching elderly people and women and kids from amongst the crowds, when they were protesting against the illegal arrest of Imran Khan, the men, the so-called men, they were just standing there watching the whole thing happen instead of stopping the police. The only few men that were trying to stop the police were the elderly. But majority of the crowd, they just stood and watched. So, I mean, is that your culture? Standing and watching while something is being done in front of you, something wrong. In Islam, actually, you are punishable just for that too. If you really want Pakistan to be an Islamic Republic of Pakistan, you need to practice Islam first and you need to know the rules of Islam. In Islam, when you stand by and see somebody commit a crime and you don't do anything to stop that person for whatever reason, then you are an aider and a better. You are partners in crime and you will be equally punished. Your punishment will be the same as that of the perpetrator committing the crime. Why? Because saying that, oh, we, we were too weak or we couldn't do anything. Oh, they're, they're in uniforms. They're, you know. Yeah, sorry, that doesn't work in Islam. In fact, in Islam, even the people who are in uniform, who are committing atrocities, they have no excuse. They cannot say we were following orders because in Islam, following such orders is also a sin. So you're committing a crime and you're acting upon orders, 
yeah, you're, the crime is on you because you could easily refuse. If you're going to be scared and saying, oh, we're going to get killed, they're going to do this to us, they're going to do that to us, then I'm sorry, you, then, then you need to accept the fact that Pakistan is no more. You need to accept the fact that this is the new Pakistan, this is Americanized Pakistan, and you need to live with it. Then you have no right to complain. If you do not want to live like this, then you need to stand up. You need to rise up. You need to be one collective body. The whole country needs to now rise up. Instead of just cheering at those who are protesting, join them. Don't just cheer them. Join them. Join the Baluchi women. Physically join them. Okay? The people of Karachi who are forever asleep, you know, always looking for which way the tide turns, you know, you need to get off your asses. The people of Punjab who are still, you know, just cheering on at the different pockets of, you know, the different various groups that are out and about rallying in Punjab. Yeah, you need to get off your asses. Don't sit at home and cheer. You all need to get out. We all need to get out, okay? You need to get out of there. You need to, as I will say it again, paralyze this country, cripple this country from road to road, street to street, end to end, just, just bombard everything. That is the only way they will stop. And believe me, they will stop when you do that. They will stop. When the whole country will be out, they will, they have, they will have no choice but to stop. I promise you that. Now, let me also make one thing clear. India has always tried to, um, that is actually another reason why the forced disappearances in Balochistan have also been some sort of a controversial topic. It's because there's a lot of interference in Balochistan by India. In fact, most of the raw agents that always get captured um, are captured in Balochistan. Uh, most of the terrorists that have been captured from India in are have been captured in Balochistan. Um, just like how the Indians worked with um, anti-state elements uh, in Bangladesh, which um, worked to the advantage of India by breaking up Pakistan. Um, similarly, India has always been trying to break up Balochistan, and now India is actually using this this um, protest again as their political agenda in which they're constantly trying to create this fake news and fake narrative that Balochistan will now break off from Pakistan and Balochistan loves India and no I'm sorry Balochistan actually detests India well, I'm, I hate to break it out to you but a true typical Balochi detests India okay to them India is like that thorn on their side that they just can't get rid of Okay, the problems that that Balochistan has with Pakistani government has nothing to do with its solidarity with India or its love for India. No, in fact, the whole problem in Balochistan has been the same problem that has been with other provinces, but again on a different scale or on a different level. Just like in every other pro province of Pakistan, um, the corrupt politicians, the fifth columnists, the, you know, the ISI, the establishment, the army, they have been, 
using and abusing Balochistan. They've been stealing um, from Balochistan. Stealing in the sense that when you are corrupt, then yes, whatever you're taking, the resources that you're using, abusing, misusing of any part of your country, that is stealing. The army has stolen from this country. Again, who does the army answer to? It doesn't answer to the people of Pakistan. It answers to, yes, the United States of America. You need to keep that in mind. Balochistan is a province that has always been used by India to attack Pakistan. It's just like how the Afghans have used KPK's land for their activities. India has used Balochistan for their activities. But it the fact that if they think that the Balochi people are pro-Indian, yeah, I'm sorry, you need to get that out of your brains and you need to get that out of your, you know, because I'm sorry, that is not the truth. Balochi people are very, very staunch loyalists. They're nationalists. Even now, the Balochi people, the, the, the unprecedented rally that they brought out recently was a nationalist, a pro-nationalist rally. And it was about Pakistan and about Imran Khan. They were talking about Pakistan, about saving Pakistan and about saving Imran Khan. So India, you know, always trying to, India needs to take care of its own shit. Because to be honest, <laughs> India, uh, India is, needs to worry about its own breakdown. Because every single province, every single state in India right now has this huge problem with India. Remember, at least four states of India are illegally occupied by India. These were those that were supposed to come to Pakistan. They were supposed to be parts of Pakistan. So you have Assam, you have Bihar, you have uh, Kashmir. So you have at least two other states that I won't name at the moment. You have a total of five to six states in India that re reject Indian authority. They reject Indian governance. They reject India as their country. And uh, these uh, provinces remember the Gujarat massacre as well which was Modi's attempt at genocide against Muslims so that there should be a Hindu majority in Gujarat remember that as well so yeah India needs to you know worry about its own uh, self because the way Modi is going the way his government is going India might as well just end up breaking down remember India can try to rewrite its history as much as it likes but India was never one country until the Mughals united it. It was the Mughals that made India one. And it was the Mughals, the Muslim rule, basically. The, the ongoing Muslim rule in India is what turned India into a developed country of its time, into one of the richest countries of its time. And it is what made India the golden sparrow, the very golden sparrow that Europe came sniffing to destroy and to occupy. and to So... England just barely managed to keep India as one. Remember, it wasn't just England that ruled India as well. I mean, Goa was under the Portuguese rule. Keep that in mind as well. So when the Europeans came, then India's sort of division had already begun. Although people may like to rewrite that history as well and say that, oh, no, you know, uh, England pretty much preserved the integrity of India. But no, actually. Keeping in mind that Goa was actually under the Portuguese, yeah, I don't think so. I think that was the first sign um, of the miserable failure of England to retain that vast land as you know, as one as one land, you know, 
which the Mughals and the, the, basically the Muslim rulers had managed to do for so long. So keep that in mind. So India actually has more chances of breaking down because you have the Punjabis who are who believe that Khalistan should be a separate country. You have Kashmir, which obviously under the UN resolution was supposed to be, um, you know, a, an independent state. Then you have Assam and Bihar, which had chosen Pakistan. Yes, technically, Kashmir had also chosen Pakistan, which is why half of Kashmir is with Pakistan. And But remember, this half of Kashmir, which we call independent Kashmir, it is called independent for a reason. It does not share Pakistan's government. It has its own government. Remember that. It has its own government. And it is what you would refer to as a sort of an autonomous body. And if they wish to be independent, they are 100% welcome to be 100% independent once the other occupied Kashmir rejoins them and they become one. So there you have it. So yeah, I mean, India that is trying to, as usual, cre uh, create fake news and false narratives. In fact, if anything, that would now make India more suspicious that, okay, maybe India has a hand in the forced disappearances in Balochistan. They are the ones kidnapping people. Because remember, during the Bangladesh war with uh, Pakistan, there were a lot of Indian uh, agents and army officers or, or basically, you know, cadets or whatever you like to call them, soldiers. Um, they were involved in, um, you know, in massive killings on both sides in which they act, they, you know, they basically dressed up and pretended to be Pakistani, uh, part of the Pakistani army when they committed atrocities in Bangladesh. And then they disguised themselves as the Bengali freedom fighters and they committed atrocities in West Pakistan. So this also needs to be remembered because this is part of history. So the Indian army, the raw agents and the army, they were heavily, heavily involved in a lot of these atrocities being committed, a lot of mass murderers, a lot of, you know, um, terrorist incidents, and just in order to facilitate the war between the two countries, to ensure that the two, that the division between the two sides of Pakistan, you know, um, expands to this extent that Bangladesh at all costs separates itself, itself from Pakistan. I personally think that, again, this is something I've probably mentioned in my previous episodes, that Bangladesh was originally supposed to be a separate state anyway, because that is how it started when when uh, Qaeda Azam worked with his Bengali peers. Um, the whole deal was that, okay, I will fight for both of us to get out and together, and then, you know, you can maintain your independence. I think it was just the greatness of the Bengali people that under the leadership of Qaeda Azam, they wanted to continue to be part of Pakistan. But originally, that was never the plan. Originally, it was always a two-state plan. Bengal was supposed to be a separate state. Pakistan was supposed to be a separate state. And I do think that it is really, really the very great kindness of the people of Bengal that they preferred to stay with us. And you know, continued to be part of Pakistan as East Pakistan because of Qaeda Azam. And, but yes, their, their independence was eventually, um, I mean, it had to happen. The independence had to happen. They were, because originally it was always a two-state resolution. Yes, that was the pact. So good for them, really. They're a huge country, a huge land. Good for them. 
Um, so yeah, again, as I said, yeah, but no, yeah, sorry, India, you really need to get your facts straight. I mean, I know, again, India is very famous for creating and promoting false narratives and false news. And once again, if anything, this is giving rise to the suspicion that India, India's raw agents are probably behind the forced disappearances, uh, for all we know, in Balochistan. But in any case, our people are demanding an answer, and ISI needs to give the answer to the Balochi women. They need to give the answer to the Balochi population. They need to tell them. They need to answer them. They need to give an explanation. Where are all the missing people? Simple as that. So now, actually, this is, I am going to uh, end the podcast <laughs> because, I mean, it's weird. Every time I sign out, that's when I remember some of the more important points. I'm sorry. So now I'm going to finally sign out. So this is me signing out. Khuda Hafiz. <laughs>